Hello, this is Sister Lisa coming to you from the Eel, the Edwin Elder Library, and today I'm going to be reading Chapter 11, Consider the Generations Long Past, Deuteronomy 32 and 7, Out of Meeting God in Holy Places, A Devotional Journey by F. Lagarde Smith. The Tales, T-E-L-S, Heritage. It was a day of digs, or tales to be exact. Distinctive mounds where layers of ancient civilizations have been built on top of each other. Jericho, Hazor, Dan, Megiddo. Unless you knew what you were looking for, you would have driven right by, never knowing what you were missing. But a closer look puts one into a time machine, which within just minutes wears you back centuries. I've been to Jericho and its Tel Sultan several times, but I never fail to be amazed by the slice of life it reveals. Thanks, particular to archaeologists, Kathleen Kenyon and her strategic method of knifing deeply down through the strata rather than simply peeling back one layer after another. We can see evidence of civilizations reaching back to the 8th millennium BC. In fact, you can virtually count the civilizations for yourself. Just imagine slicing a wedge of a three-layered cake, removing the cut piece and looking at the alternating layers of cake and filling. In some 45 feet of vertical debris at Tel Sultan, there are at least 20 easily discernible horizontal lines, indicating where one civilization was built upon the foundation of an earlier destroyed settlement at the same site. White lines show the stone rubble. Black charcoal lines tell us that the particular settlement was burned to the ground layer upon layer, generation upon generation. The story of the tales is the story of civilization. It should not have been surprising that our, our day would have ended up on another tale of sorts, Capernaum. At Capernaum, there is no mound and there are only one or two noticeable horizontal lines to suggest succeeding civilizations. Nevertheless, what I saw there prompted me, like never before, to think about my own spiritual foundations. Capernaum, of course, was Jesus' home away from Nazareth and the heart of Jesus' Galilean ministry. He spent some two years in residence there, teaching and performing miracles. Situated on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum was the home of two sets of fishing brothers whom Jesus called to be apostles, Peter and Andrew, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee. One of the most impressive of Jesus' miracles performed in Capernaum was the healing at a distance of the Roman centurion's servant. The centurion had enlisted the help of the local Jewish elders to approach Jesus on his behalf. When the elders came to Jesus with the centurion's request, they implored Jesus to honor the centurion's request. This man deserves to have you do this, they said, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Imagine my excitement then at being able to visit what apparently is the site of the very synagogue which the centurion had helped to build. On that site, one could not just see the clearly recognizable foundations of the first century synagogue, but also the extensive ruins of a later synagogue from the second or perhaps the fourth century. Virtually adjacent to the synagogue is another much visited pilgrim site in Capernaum. In recent years, a modern Francism church has been erected over the traditional site of Peter's house, perhaps the home where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law of her fever. The new church itself is built over the remains of a fifth century octagonal church dedicated to Peter's memory. Layer upon layer, generation upon generation, life is a never-ending tale, T-E-L. Which brings me to the most important tale of the day. On the way out of the Franciscan grounds, I spotted a row of columns that had been taken from the second synagogue. On one of the columns is a aromatic inscription, Aramaic. 
Aramaic inscription dedicated to Alphaeus, the son of Zebedee, the son of John, who had contributed to the building of the synagogue. Speculative though it may be, it is altogether possible that there is a profound significance in the names John and Zebedee. Given that location, Capernaum, and the fact that family names were passed down for generations, these men may have been descendants of the Apostle John, the son of Zebedee. Possibly three centuries from the time of Christ. Possibly they were they were still believers. Possibly members of the synagogue of the Messianic Jews, dedicated to the cause of Christ. If so, what a heritage. If so, what a tale. I confess that it's one of those times when I want to believe something happened the way I envision it. Just as there has been successive generations of Jews over the centuries and successive generations of Gentile Christians, why could there not have been successive generations of Jewish Christians? In fact, we know of at least three such generations in the case of Timothy, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, and Timothy's grandmother to that list add Timothy's grandmother to that list as well. In his second letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul spoke with admir- admiration of Timothy's faith, faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. When faith is handed down from parent to child for generations, there is a kind of spiritual archaeology at work, layer upon layer, generation upon generation. Seen in the light of one of the stratigraphic digs, the foundations of faith often run far deeper than we think. If for some faith is first generation belief, for many more of us, our faith is built squarely upon the faith of those who have gone before, or as the hymn puts it so wonderfully, faith of our fathers living still. When I think of faith and fathers, I don't have to look far afield. My own spiritual heritage on my father's side goes back to at least four generations of gospel preachers and teachers. I recently read with delight a brief autobiography by my great-great-grandfather, Valentine I. Sturman, who recounted that in the, four, in the years following the Civil War, he was a circuit-riding preacher in Texas. His son, Roland R. Sturman, also preached, and Roland's daughter, my grandmother, Eva Mae Smith, taught Sunday school and as a young widow, raised five boys in the faith. Following the steps of his grandfather and great-grandfather, my own father, Frank L. Smith, was a gospel preacher from the age of 16 until the day he died. On that day, I had the distinct feeling that a torch was being passed along for me to carry. Nor does even that rich spiritual heritage begin to cover the foundations upon which I have tried to build. There is also my mother's great faith and her parents and theirs, and the faith of aunts and uncles and older cousins and teachers too numerous to count. And then there are the unnamed, unknown persons of faith who influence them and the countless generations of faith even further removed. Once a person begins to dig down through generations of faith, the layers seem to never end. Some of the believers in our supporting strata we will never know by name. Hymn writers, scholars, translators, reformers, and lest we forget, untold martyrs, whose broken and burnt bodies appear as courageous black lines in the debris of civilization's past. For the Christian, of course, a dig down through the ages ultimately brings one back to Capernaum in the first century, to a faith built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. If that heritage of faith doesn't stir one to pick up the torch and run with it, nothing will. It gives me pause to think I could easily have driven past Jericho, Hadzor, and Capernaum without realizing how much history I was missing. In this fast-paced world, it is often only the here and now that count not the there and then. But the time will come when I am as much a part of the ongoing tale of this life as those who have already gone before. So I'm beginning to think in different terms, not so much of history, but of heritage. To future generations, what will the tale of my life reveal? What kind of foundation am I leaving for others to build on? 
God grant me vision, not just for tomorrow, but for the ages to come. Ask the former generations and find out what their fathers learned. For we were born only yesterday and know nothing, and our days on earth are but a shadow. Will they not instruct you and tell you? Will they not bring forth words from their understanding? Job. Well, God bless you today as we continue to point others to the cross and know that this, this day, is the beginning of the rest of our life. Love you. Bye-bye. Thank you.